Coming to you from Salt Lake City's Salt Palace at Novell Brainshare 2007, this is Novell Open Audio. Welcome to Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novell user community with what's going on inside and around the Novell user com- universe. <laughs> Two times in a row you oh, screwed it oh. up. That's great. You have no idea how many studio takes we have to do on this. My name's Ted Hager. I'm still Aaron Quill. I'm Caitlin Young. We have, uh, we're doing a live episode here at BrainShare today and uh, having a great time already, as if you can't tell. Can, can we call somebody out from the audience? Can we call somebody out from the audience? Yes. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to introduce the person who actually wrote the Nobel Open Audio Music. Jeff, come on up and wave. We just want, we just want, this, this is the man who did a genuine Nobel employee and also did the uh, music for us. It's not me, man. Take a bow, Jeff, take a bow. There he is, the man that did the music. Yes, so, thank, thanks a lot, thanks a lot. Um, if you want to hear the whole song, because you guys only get like seven seconds, you can... Go out to MySpace slash PowerJack with no C and Power Track with Power no C. Jack. Power Jack with no C, and you can hear the rest. Is of that the song. is that the actual band name? Yeah, it's uh, it could be. It's temporary. <laughs> I mean, we have almost a whole album ready, but we're looking for a we're looking we're looking for a singer. So right so now. now whoa whoa wait a minute you've almost got the whole album ready. Yeah, it's kind of like so. Boston is Brand. our song on that album? Uh, yeah. And we paid you to write that song, right? You, you, yes. You so we get royalties if it does well? You acquired rights to use. Aaron, I, I, I think there's a more interesting question, and that is, what are the lyrics to the Novell Open Audio theme song? I'll let you know. <laughs> thanks, All right, Jeff. Thanks very much, Jeff. Um, so our first guest today, he said through loud feedback. Our first guest today is uh, none other than Reed Harrison, who came to Novell from the e-security acquisition that Novell did about, how, how long ago was it, Reed? About 10 months ago. About 10 months ago. So please give it up, warm welcome to Reed Harrison. All right, so Reed, I get to start out. I got a question for you. So I walked by the booth over there, and I looked up, and I saw security information and event management. I'm a geek. I have no idea what that means. Can you like explain to me like what logs you're reading, what the thing actually does on geek terms? Absolutely. Well, security information and event management is basically the real-time collection, listening to anything that's logging activity in your environment. Originally started out as being really focused on security events, uh, looking for threats and violations of uh, internal policies. Uh, what we really found out lately, though, is that it uh, really emerged into becoming a very powerful tool for reporting for a lot of compliance regulations for our customer base. So you're reading logs out there on different systems, on Unix systems? Any, on... Heterogeneous, whatever, mixed source systems, doesn't matter, whatever it is, as long as it's logging, we can bring it inbound, normalize it, process it in real time, correlate it, store it in a standard format in our database for a back-end reporting as well. So how are you grabbing the logs? Do you have a little agent that's sitting there sending you the logs, or do you just have a remote connection to that server we grabbing have, it? We have remote, we have... Sorry. Remote connections, uh, collectors, for uh, na name your product. We've never found anything we haven't been able to monitor, even if it's a homegrown application. So we're not using SNMP? We're not like collecting SNMP we support, traps? We support, we support well. SNMP, but we also do uh, uh, JDBC calls into databases, doing queries and pulling records out of databases, um, syslog servers, and anything that's out there logging. We have lots of ways to collect the data. All right, I'll play your silly game. Why? 
Because this is one of the hardest problems. And my, my background was a, as an information security professional prior to starting eSecurity. And uh, one of the big issues we had was having disparate types of systems with important log information because I was being audited quite a bit. And I was blind. I couldn't, to create these reports, I had to go place to place to place. Um, interpret those logs in the various formats that they had. So we started building some technology to automate that. And now I don't have to have manual effort to bring all this information inbound for just you know, getting my reports, proving my compliance, and also having timely information that says, hey, I really am having a security incident that I can respond to right away. Cool. So you collected all these different uh, logs from all over the place. You can generate reports. What else can you do besides just generate reports? Oh, in our, uh, we, we just announced Sentinel-6 uh, at, this, at this conference. Um, about a year and a half, two years ago, we came out with our fifth generation, which was Sentinel-5, and actually we attached to our correlation engine a workflow engine so that you could actually plan for what, if this correlation engine did detect something that you needed to respond to, actually allow you, our customers to plan for what they would do if that occurred, and then actually be a system of record to document whether the steps were followed in a timely fashion. Auditors love to see that you have a plan in case bad things happen, and they like to also know that you followed it when it did happen. Good. Okay, so um, are we ready for some, are you guys ready to ask some questions of Reed? All right. First question comes from the gentleman in the leather jacket. And if you would, sir, please, uh, as you ask the question, state your name and do hold the microphone about like that. So, Wu, go ahead with your question. <laughs> My name is uh, Terry Baker, and I'm wondering if we currently use several publicly available benchmarks to do uh, security checks on our systems, could we use Sentinel to replace these things and do it all in one place? And if that's the case, I mean, could you kind of talk a little bit about um, some of the publicly available benchmarks that it will replace? Uh, now, as far as benchmarks, is that, a, is that a scanning tool, a vulnerability assessment type of tool set? Yes. Okay. Um, so, yes, we definitely support the ones you've already deployed. Because what we want to do is we want to understand if you've done vulnerability scans of your environment, that means you have an inventory of systems and all the vulnerabilities that might exist on those systems that need to be patched at any point in time. What we're also doing is listening to your intrusion detection products, for example, and your firewalls, right? So if we see an attack go by and it's a Windows attack, for example, but it's targeting the IP address of a Linux box, right? Don't wake somebody up at 2 o'clock in the morning to react to that. But what we would do is bring on board the results of your vulnerability scans so that we could determine that's a Windows attack, it's targeting a Linux system. Therefore, you know, capture, you log the fact that someone's trying, but don't necessarily launch an, uh, uh, an incident response type of process at this time. So we, we would leverage the benchmarking tools you're already using as context for all the events that are going on in the environment that we're capturing live. Was that a very good question, would you say? That was a very good question. Okay, then. We're going to get you the Shure headphones, and Randy, go ahead and take that one if you would. Hold your ears, everyone. Here it comes. My, my name is Josh Perfect. Um, one question I have is uh, I've seen other products that kind of do the same thing, correlation engine type of stuff. Does this do any uh, automated remediation? That, that is a good question. Because um, <laughs> it, it really does leverage one of the unique factors that uh, Sentinel has in the market is we are the only vendor who has put a workflow technology for remediation. And the steps can be um, uh, points where we notify people that it's time you know, wake up at 2 in the morning. Or at 2 in the morning, we could actually automatically run a process to remediate a situation if you trusted the information coming inbound enough and had this confidence and urgency that i got to do this right now to mitigate a risk. 
And uh, that, so yes, the, we definitely do that. And we're really the only vendor in the market who actually has that capability in real time built onto our correlation engine. And let's get a couple more going here. Uh, we'll, uh, as Randy comes running around, or Dave comes running around here. As Dave comes running around here. Walter Howie, I have a question. How would you differentiate your product from like the Cisco Mars product? And to expound on it a little bit more, do you also have the ability um, in certain circumstances to uh, process like a script or any, any sort of automated response? Okay. Um, the answer is uh, the way we differentiate from Cisco Mars and other products that are appliance-based. So they basically come in a box. It's our, the software is kind of already installed, and it's good for localized or departmental types of uh, monitoring. What Sentinel really excels at is being able to monitor the enterprise. And so what we've got global, you know, we've got customers using this, our software across their, their global boundaries um, and, and massively scalable. You know, we've got uh, one customer that's monitoring over 200,000 desktops and servers in their environment in real time with one instance of Sentinel. You just can't do that scale and that diversity with, uh, with an appliance. Um, now the second part of your question was running scripts. Um, definitely, we can, we can run the scripts using our workflow technology as one of the steps that needs to get done. Then we can actually process the output of that script or attach it as a ticket and notify somebody that this is, you would have run this script anyway, Bob, who I'm waking up at two o'clock in the morning, right? We're going to make that part of our process so that when you get the ticket, we've already run the script so you have all the information that you wanted. It is part of our process. And again, that's another differentiator from the Cisco products. I think we had one more right on over here as well. And that was a good question. <laughs> yeah, you can't be the bad guy now, huh? You've got to, every, every question, why is there error? That's a great question. <laughs> but, but there's no pressure for your question to be good, but go ahead. Come on, Hodge, pull it out. My name is Hutch, and I was curious about uh, when new exploits are discovered or new ways are found to compromise systems, how easy is it or dynamic is it to get Sentinel updated for those new exploits so someone doesn't have to go out and scour and, and add it in manually? Did someone load these guys with good questions? The reason I want to say, that, uh, say it that way um, is because one of the other unique factors that Sentinel brings is uh, we rely on the infrastructure that our customers have already deployed. So whether it's vulnerability scanners or intrusion detection products, we rely on our customers to get the new signatures for whatever product they're using loaded into those products. The difficulty comes in when you try to correlate and bring information inbound is that the different intrusion detection products might, see, might name or discover a new exploit you know, very well, but they don't call it the same thing. Okay, so the events, the events, we might see the same type of activity on the network, but from a correlation engine perspective and a reporting perspective, you can't reconcile that unless you do it manually. Um, the same thing on the vulnerability scanners. They all have their own signatures, and they might say, hey, it's the same exposure, but they don't name it the same. There's no standard for the naming. So what we've done at Novell is that we have actually, we stay up to date with those same signature bases, we load them in, and then we do a reconciliation. So we've mapped all of the uh, signatures for the intrusion detection products, as well as the vulnerability products, and then cross-map them so that we can actually determine that intrusion, that exploit matches that exposure that's being scanned for or detected in the environment. And again, that's another very unique capability that we've learned. These, we've learned all this stuff from our large customers, enterprise customers who buy Sentinel. All right, we got, I think we'll do one last question on Reed and then uh, cut him loose here. So uh, 
pick a pick a pick a hand, any hand there, Randy. Pink shirt dude. <laughs> Caitlin says pink shirt dude. <laughs> pink shirt dude. Uh, Raymond Epping, are there plans for a startup pack or bundling with Identity Manager? Yes, indeed. Um, the, uh, we, we do have a, a pricing bundle as well as a technology integration. And I think uh, Rick Wagner was doing a session this afternoon showing the integration of, uh, of Sentinel and Identity. And, one of the, and I'm doing two or three sessions. Uh, I have another one tomorrow at 11 talking about this integration as well from a business perspective because what we allow you to do, that's another area of context, is uh, actually correlate real people with real events. There's a, uh, an example, I've never met another Reed Harrison in my entire life, but the, there I, is, I work with one. There's, there's one that works at Novell. Yeah, I work with him. Right? <laughs> he's constantly forwarding e emails that people have misdirected, you know, just because uh, I'm new and he's not. And uh, the reality is, is, if you're monitoring systems purely on events and logging, and you see Reed Harrison doing something, you don't know the role of that particular Reed Harrison when you have multiples, and large companies tend to have, even if it's more common names, they have that problem in a, more, uh, a larger fashion. So we've seen that power of that integration, even as we were being acquired in, in the discussions with Novell, is that made a lot of sense. And so we've spent in this, in this 10 month window in, in our Sentinel 6 release, as well as the Identity uh, Manager 3.5 release that we both are announcing, tighter integration to the point where we can actually integrate our workflows with the provisioning workflows within Identity Manager to actually maybe take away, you know, this Reed Harrison shouldn't be working on those systems, block his access, you know, take him off that system. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for Reed. Reed, thanks very much for joining us here. My pleasure. When, when people want to find out more, you can go to uh, the, the homepage for Sentinel, correct? Absolutely. Novell.com forward slash products forward slash yes. Sentinel. And if you have an email, send it to reed at novell.com. R-E-E-D. <laughs> -E yes. So Okay. So, Reed, thank you very much for joining us. We My really pleasure. appreciate it. Give it up for Reed. Now, before we bring our next guest on here, um, we want to cover a couple orders of business. So, Aaron, take it away. No, <laughs> um, a couple orders of business for you. Tonight is Meet the Experts Night, correct, here at BrainShare. And that's where you get to come in and, and ask questions of all kinds of people. If you get one of these coveted I Ask Tough Questions shirts, I strongly recommend wearing it to the event tonight because you will put fear into the eyes of whoever you come up to. And that's always fun. Um, second thing is tomorrow, um, I'm actually hosting the keynote here in the, in the hall. And I wanted to just ask you guys a favor real quick. I'm going to come out there and I'm going to actually do a quick call and response for the audience. I want to, I'm going to actually, um, have the t-shirt cannon with me and I'm going to ask you guys for a little bit of help, uh, out there. If you're in the audience and I, whatever I say, I want to repeat right back of that. It's going to be just a single syllable. And so when you hear me say that, Please give it back. No, 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 not, not funny. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it, it might be used in certain rap music and things like that. But um, anyway, you'll find out tomorrow. But uh, it, help me out with that if you're out there in the audience. And then uh, third order of business. What Ted, was I really don't understand what you were just saying. Really? No. You have no idea what I was saying? No. Did I not make sense? All right. It was hard to follow. You, you, you may have been talking a little bit fast. But am again, I, you're going. Today's the first day where I've actually had a full night's sleep during brain cheer, and I'm finally back to like rapid fire talking. So I'm going to come out there. I'm going to mosey out on stage very calmly, and I'm going to have a gun. <laughs> <laughs> it will be loaded with t shirts, <laughs> and um, I'm going to do a little call and response. I'm actually going to give you the, oh, and I want that back. 
you know, just like Hacksaw Jim Duggan in pro wrestling, if you've ever seen it. Yeah, there we go. Mike, Mike's like, oh, yeah, him. Um, I won't have the two-by-four. Um, I'm not a pro wrestling fan, by the way, but I, I, I did grow up a, a suburban existence in San Jose, California. So um, anyway, that's what I'm going to do. Does that make more sense now, Mike? It, it, it now makes sense to the pro wrestling mindset. Excellent. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I, I, I'm more scared about the letting him on stage. <laughs> I promise no children will be hurt. In what about the women? What? The women. You know how like you threw a t-shirt at that poor woman and you got a yeah. smack in the head? <laughs> oh, you're referring to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bad things could happen. Our next guest for the show is going to be uh, one who's become a, a Novell Open Audio favorite. Many of you have heard him many times. He's talked to us about the Windows Vista client. He's talked to us about all things open enterprise server. Um, he's talked to us. Shadow volumes that I aren't folder. called shadow volumes Dynamic anymore. Storage technology. Yeah. Yes. iFolder, you're I right. iFolder, we've had to talk yeah. about that. Um, in fact, uh, we don't even know what we're going to talk to him about today. Oh, I might. What? I've got some ideas. You've got some ideas? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to bring on Jason Williams, the Senior Product Manager for Open Enterprise Server. Jason, welcome. Thanks, Ted. Good to have you back. Now, we're on, I think, more times. I think we're on something like 500 times we've had you on now. At roughly, least, yes. Roughly. Possibly more. So um, what should we ask you about today? Thanks, Ted. So, Caitlin, you, I think you had a question ready uh, queued up for Jason. Is yeah. that correct? So, the public beta for OES. Yep. So, I thought we were going to be seeing it fairly shortly. When, when are we likely to expect so, it? You will be seeing that in about three weeks or so. Okay. Um, so, one of the, the ideas we had was originally was to have the public beta of OES at Brainshare and actually give it to the audience so people get a hold of it. Um, one of the earlier podcasts I'd done, Ted, uh, I think it was about the Vista client, I'd stated that if the client wasn't ready, I wouldn't let it ship. Well, frankly, when we took a look at what, where we were in the beta cycle, the things we needed to do, uh, I wasn't happy, and so I actually elected to hang on to it. Now, I know there are a few people like, well, why didn't you give it to us? Why didn't you do this? Well, as product manager, I have to balance off giving people code that I'm not actually completely content with and also letting you get access to it. So I decided, no, let's hold on to this thing <clears throat> and make sure it's actually ready for you to, to use. So that's why I haven't got it yet. But we're actually building the public beta right now and going through its final test. So it'll just be uh, two or three weeks out. You'll be able to download it. Anybody that's signed up right now, if you go to www.novell.com slash beta, that's B-E-T-A or beta. Thank you, Erin. And uh, I know my accent cracks you up every single time. So sign up there. As soon as it's available, you'll receive an email to tell you where to go download it. Okay. Great. Uh, did you have a question for me, Erin? This is going to be a very short interview. You know that, don't you? <laughs> well, well, why? You act awfully defensive. No, not at all. Just think, if you're not prepared with questions, I can come up with some answers to something you haven't no, asked. No, no. I, I, okay, actually, that, that's fine. Do you remember in the 2X days how you low-level formatted drives? Do I, I remember doing that, yes. Yeah, but how? You had to let it run oh, all overnight yeah, yeah. before you could do anything? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was the whole discomp thing. What was it called? Discomp. No, no, no. no. Surf. Oh. Oh. <coughs> Impressive. <laughs> I know my stuff. So, so Jason, um, a question I have for you. Just, just bear with me on this one. Okay. Of course, in 3X, you had the uh, syscon was your main administration tool, and then filer was your file management tool. What was the print management tool called? Oh. <laughs> Come on, you can do this one. You know this one. Oh, man. I want to say print man. 
but it wasn't. No, that was a piece he, that was in it there. It was P-Con. P-Console. It was... Oh, dude, he got it! <laughs> P-Console is the correct answer. <laughs> okay, can we move on to something a little bit more current now? <laughs> We thought we thought we'd just uh, hammer Jason with a couple of the questions, just to you know give people how many network people out there. We have, we have a few. There okay, so <clears throat> those uh, we wanted to just sh- sort of show that this guy has been doing this stuff for a while, and even though we have to dust off whoa, some whoa, of whoa, the neurons. Whoa, 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 whoa! Two dot x simple. Two dot x. Oh, how, how did you start? the process of the whole disk swap to create How would you the start the process of the whole disk swap? Well, yeah. you'd have to put the installed uh, C, uh, CD. What was the con- CD? <laughs> no, there what were 45 was the command? Do you know, disks. I can't even remember it now. I think that was just install. A- any, no, okay. install. No, that is That's so not cryptic. Yeah. <laughs> Gen OS. Oh, Genos. Oh, yeah, because uh, you also had SHGen. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. an SHGen for the okay, uh, shell. Yeah. True story, a colleague of ours named uh, Richard Jones actually uh, was the guy who he told this story of how he actually had to go to the engineers of NetWare once long ago and make them actually do their own install using floppy disks <laughs> in order to get them to, to make the install a smoother and faster process. And after they stopped doing it from the network and had to start flopping, floppy disks shuffling, that was when the change of install started to happen in NetWare. It was because a product manager, much like a colleague of ours up until just Absolutely. recently, right. actually went there to the engineers and forced them to do what the customer has to do. So that's what product uh, managers do. Now, let's take some questions. Lane. What's that? Memory lane. Yes. Let's take some questions from the audience here because I know we're going to have a lot of people. The gentleman on the couch wanted to ask a question earlier. Now it's time to give him a chance. Hi, Jason. Hey, Got a question about business continuity clustering. Uh-huh. Um, we're currently supporting IDM 201, so the current shipping bundle. Um, what will the support be when OES 2 releases? So the support for business continuous clustering, right now BCC 1.1 uh, has been released for Network and Linux. Uh, we are updating that to support IDM 3 uh, because IDM 3 is now bundled into uh, Open Enterprise Server. Uh, when we actually get to OS 2, it's, there's going to be a little bit of a lag, and then we'll have an update to uh, BCC 1.1 at that point that will support IDM 3.5. So that will all be updated, but it's going to be 30 to 90 days afterwards just to allow them to get everything together. Would you say that was a good question? It was a fairly good question. <laughs> <laughs> Give him one earpiece. Yeah. Give him <laughs> single earbud. And you you know, can earn the other one. Only because Hans has asked me really good questions the whole week. So, <laughs> so, so you'd say that? Yeah, that that's, a good, that's a good one. Okay, so um, do we have another one? We do. <coughs> Hi, I'm Alex. Um, traditionally, I have a NetWare 6.5 shop. You know, all my schools and everything. I'm looking at taking the leap and upgrading to OES2. And I've, uh, you know, used to NSS on NetWare, running the pools and the volumes inside it. With the OES2 Linux version, now we have LVM, EVMS. How's that all tie in together and what fits where? Okay, so LVM, EVMS, that, that is a good question because we've, we've had that one a few times. <laughs> so... Just so we can backtrack, so Novell Storage Services is available on Linux. It can be installed as uh, the sole file system on a system. It can be also installed with other file systems. Uh, It requires EVMS in order for it to work. 
Now, what we've done in OES 2 is we've actually made the install a lot easier on you in that when you select NSS, you can, it will actually do the EVMS partition and lay that down. So you should not have to go messing around uh, with EVMS or trying to work out uh, that pooling system. The difference comes is if you're running in a SAN environment and you want to boot the server just from a local disk and then connect to storage over iSCSI. Uh, at that point, <coughs> that's actually even simpler still. You can choose to install ext3 uh, using Celeste10SP1, uh, lay down your OES services on top, and then because uh, NSS is out on a SAN, you don't even have to mess with any of the other partitioning tools. You just literally accept the uh, standard installation and away you go. So we've been encouraging a lot of the people that we work with to either use uh, iSCSI or Fiber Channel to actually make that a lot simpler. Also in a SAN environment, it makes the upgrade a, a lot easier moving the volumes from server to server, uh, particularly if you go into a virtual environment as well. Before we hit the next question here, just a quick note. Jason Williams here drives a red Mini with a white roof with a Union Jack on top of yeah. it up there. And so when we're commuting down, he commutes down I-15. <laughs> and Aaron and I commute down I-15 together. We're usually carpooling from Park City. And occasionally we'll see Jason coming up on us because it's that thing coming really fast and about to go whizzing by. At so, him, not yeah. us. And, uh, I noticed that. So, so Yeah, we, we, kinda, we drive like grandmas. Um, but Jason, Jason gets some speed going in that car, and he's usually got a commute buddy in there with him. And we usually give him the Novell Open Audio Wave, which is a, a patented wave. It, it, it involves... Well, four fewer fingers than this. And, <laughs> and so we'll wave to him, and his carpool buddy looks, o looks over at him one day and thinks that there's two guys trying to... <laughs> there's, there's a dude, a skinny dude with a, a little beard in that car <laughs> giving us the finger. A a anyway. It was literally that as well. We drove past, and Alex turns around and goes, that guy just flipped me off. <laughs> Yeah, it's Aaron. <laughs> that is the Novell Open Audio Wave. So like, give it to us anytime. We'll know what you're saying. <laughs> Thanks, <All right>. Kevin. <laughs> so let's get our next question. Hi, and you Jay. already won some headphones yesterday, right? Yeah, Mike? I don't need the headphones. Okay. That's okay. Um, Doesn't matter I, how good your question is. <laughs> no, no, it won't change my question. Hi, Jason. I'm hey. Mike Brady. Um, I'm a longtime NetWare user and very comfortable with NetWare. And I'm just wondering... If you feel that OES 2 is at the point where I'll be able to totally replace my NetWare servers, at least you know most of the functions, without having to even run NetWare virtualized. Okay, <clears throat> unfortunately that wasn't another good question, but you've already had headphones. But <clears throat> so I, I actually use the term uh, when we're doing the marketing meetings leading up to uh, the release of, of OES 2 and BrainShed. I use the term several times that, as far as I'm concerned, this does finalize the transition from NetWare. Uh, we have so much of the stuff that you need in there now. I mean, we heard last year about three or four of the things that you didn't have that you needed. Uh, E-directory integrated DHCP, E-directory integrated DNS, DFS junction support, <clears throat> an iFolder that was up to par with iFolder 2.1 and beyond. Uh, you also wanted to ensure that you could do a mixture of 32-bit and 64-bit nodes in the cluster. You wanted uh, improved NSS performance. Uh, you want, you know, all these kind of things, a whole host of other things. So for me, I, I really honestly feel that we've actually finalized that transition and allowed you know, the vast majority, if not all, of our customers to make that transition. Uh, the second thing we're doing is uh, in the virtualization space is if for some reason you have an application that runs on NetWare, you need to, to continue that for some time. The virtualization side will actually allow you to do that. Uh, right now, there will be hardware available uh, to run NetWare on top of. We've secured support uh, from Dell, HP, and IBM for configurations of their hardware that will support NetWare physically. 
when you transition to a virtualized environment, you don't have to go find that driver. The driver's available for SLE 10, so transition your network server into a virtual environment and use the virtual driver that's supplied in the box, and you basically can continue that network uh, whilst you make the transition in there. So we think we've done a really good job on this. Uh, I feel very comfortable and happy about what we've done, uh, particularly some of the new features like dynamic storage technology say that. That's and the domain big services. Uh, we're getting huge feedback from customers saying, you know, this is exactly the kind of things we were talking about, which is really good because dynamic storage technology and domain services for Windows weren't dreamt up in uh, just you know, any empty space, which would be my head. Uh, this was actually a customer request. We, and just so you know, dynamic uh, domain services for Windows, I started working on that 18 months ago. So that predates the whole Microsoft agreement by a clean year. It's a kind of a proof point on the fact that we're working together, uh, but it also predates that. So and that came from customer requests and feedback. And dynamic storage technology was the same. Again, we started working on that uh, close to two years ago, uh, trying to work out how all that would work and get it in. So the, some of these things just take time because we go back and say to customers, yeah, is this what you want? Does this work the way you want? No, we kind of want it this way. And we can't get everything. Uh, but we've got the bulk of it done now, so I, I feel very good. So can I ask you a question? How many of you know what dynamic storage technology is? Most of you do. Oh, that's good. That's you perhaps good. want to give a, a very brief overview because this yeah. is awesome technology. Yeah, so dynamic storage technology is, in fact, my favorite technology inside Open Enterprise Server 2. It's about saving, it saves you money. That's it, pure and simple. Uh, we all know that you have storage area network devices and big, big storage problems. It's growing exponentially. We also know from uh, talking to you all that 80% of that data hasn't been touched in 30 days or more. So what is it doing on your really expensive SAN? Because it's not being touched. Every kilowatt hour you're spending on running that SAN, you're spending an additional four to eight kilowatt hours in a data center just running cooling, humidity control, power for backup and antivirus stuff, lighting and everything else. So what you need to do is you need to say, okay, I only want the important data, the 20% of what I'm actually working on in the here and the now in that SAN environment, in that expensive area. This other 80% can be moved to a different storage area network in a different building. Uh, it, it could be anywhere that you've actually got a decent link to. But the thing that our customers were telling us was, yeah, but I don't want to demigrate the file to access it. I want to access it directly, and I should never, ever have to touch the client to get it to work. So that's what it's all about. When a client goes to access the file, it pulls it directly from the shadow volume where it now lives, <clears throat> and clients will follow the file automatically. They never have to have a client update or get touched to go do it. You can even dynamically move a file in the background, and you don't even need to refresh to see the file. Uh, when we did the keynote demo, you noticed that we actually stepped through just by clicking, and it pulled the file from its new location. So even in the background, <clears throat> it overlaid that volume structure so we knew exactly where that file lived and where to get it. And as an administrator, you can still see, as you guys showed in Absolutely. the Monday keynote, you can still see where the data is. You can go to the actual server volumes and see, okay, this data is here, this data is here. But it's all joined together for the it end is. user. And in, in fact, inside Dynamic Storage Technology Management Console, you can actually go and look at all the statistics so you know exactly how many files have been moved, when they got moved, what got moved. We re re can produce reports in XML files that you can pull in that shows the full log of every file that got moved, when it got moved, why it got moved while files didn't got moved, so you can then start working on those reports and generate reports for CXO level people that say, well, how much money is this thing actually saving me? Well, it costs $10 per gigabyte per year here, and it costs $2 per gigabyte per year here, so here's how much money we're actually saving doing it. Sweet stuff. It, it is. We have a good comment from a customer back here. 
Oh, we have a, a comment, not a question? A comment. A comment. I've been following the dynamic storage since last year, last brain share, formerly known as Shadow Volumes. If there were no other feature added to OES2, this is the one that everyone should migrate for. Oh, thank you. This it's, is it. uh, yeah, like I said, my personal favorite. It, it really is in there. Okay, he does get some headphones for that one. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a good comment. We're not, above, we're not above rewarding people for pushing our own stuff here. This <laughs> had no developing audio. Okay, let's do one more question to wrap it up here. This, guy and, here uh, been, had this guy's been waiting for a while. Okay, so Dave, let's see if we can make this one work. So I am a consultant for a platinum uh, partner in Minneapolis. And currently I'm working with organizations that have either schools or field sites that try to do the backups locally on tape. Um, the price of the current backup solutions for OES Linux using NSS or NCP exported volumes to maintain the ACLs, the expanded trustee rights, um, is pretty high compared to what like the traditional services were. Is there a plan with OES2 to deliver either an open source-based solution, a trustee backup solution like Trustbar was, or, or even a partner to immediately provide that sort of services uh, more more reasonably priced. So, <clears throat> so there, there's actually two, two answers to that question. Uh, the first is, is really a question about what happens to Novell Storage Services, the inherited rights filter and the trustee model that everyone's used to in the future. Um, we're still trying to work that out. Uh, one of the, the things we've got going internally is to look at can we actually divorce the entire inherited rights and trustee model and break it out from NSS and have that as a, as a more open standard and work with the um, extended attributes uh, that's actually in the open source plugging into the VFS layer for standard Linux file systems. The second answer here is the fact that right now you can run any of the uh, open enterprise server services on something like ext3 and still use NCP to access it. So what we've done is this, is we understand that the POSIX rights are very simplistic compared to NSS, user group and world. Yeah. So we've done a POSIX rights mapping utility. So you can in fact map the POSIX rights to NSS rights, so when an NCP client logs in, it reads an XML file at volume mount to understand how that rights mask works. So now you could, yep, exactly, you're, you're, you're there before me. So now you can back up that volume using open source tools and providing you've backed up that XML file that does the trustee mapping, when you need to restore, you can restore the file back, restore back the XML file, create an NCP mount point, and basically you have exactly what you need. Okay, good. Cool. Yeah. So actually, I've got one last question. Uh -oh. and. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron, you always have really good ones that make you stumble. So. Well, in a core dump, <laughs> when you drop into debug, control, right shift, left shift, oh, escape, okay, remember that enough. one? No, 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 actually, that, that's not the question. But, you, you know, Ted and I used to be PMs, yep. and when, when we were actually on that side of the house, Braincher was incredible for us for getting knowledge back from customers. I mean, we just learned a ton of stuff. Um, I want to know what you learned this week. And I, I would say it wasn't even necessarily learning so much as being told. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right, Aaron. In fact, a proof point of how good Braincher is is if you go back to last year. Yeah, headphones. <laughs> so do I get no headphones for having the tough questions asked of me? No. <laughs> You're a hard taskmaster. <laughs> You see what I have to put up with. You just can't get the staff these days. He, he just uh, swore on open audio. Did, he said taskmaster, not bastard. I oh, thought dang, he said no. bastard. <laughs> I got to go. Moving swiftly along before this just degenerates. 
so last year, this will give you a perfect example, and then I'll go back to this year. Last year, I, was in, I presented a session and said, you know, we're not going to do an e-directory integrated DNS and DHCP because nobody uses it. And every single person in the room said, what? Of course we use it. Wow, I've just asked the wrong question up to this point, didn't I? Perhaps I should have actually stated it. I won't do one unless you tell me to. Well, <laughs> they told me to. So here we are this year, e-directory integrated DNS, e-directory integrated DHCP, and e-directory integrated FTP. So is BrainShare, for me, one of, the, one of the great events of the year to talk to customers and understand what you're doing? Absolutely. So what have I learned this year? What That's I've what we learned, asked you. Yeah. I'm, this is a rhetorical question, Ted. Oh, got it. <laughs> so, so what have I learned this year? What I've learned this year is, is as follows. I thought you were going for the headphones. Yes. Dynamic storage tend to... <laughs> That's just recursive, asking myself a great question and giving myself a pair of headphones. How am I today? Can we let him answer this? No. He's just not going to, is he? Dynamic storage technology is huge. I mean, I've got that wherever I've gone. People coming up saying, this is great. I can understand what this is going to do to help me save my business. But, but you know what I've, else I've learned? I've learned the fact that that's just the start. What I've learned is people are saying, this dynamic storage technology is cool. Where do you go from here? You know, saying you've got a load of other great technology in there, like distributed file system. How does that grow into a global namespace? Where can you go with other protocols so I can actually join volumes together from all over the place with different protocols to produce a single protocol view of an entire file system? How do I handle dynamic te storage technology and move things onto tape with iSCSI tape targets? Where are you going with that? Domain services for Windows. Great, we've got people coming up saying this is exactly what I wanted. I've got people saying I have to get rid of Novell because I have to have a user Novell client. Don't have to use a Novell client anymore. I can allow MMC to manage my e-directory. But what about authorization? Can I do application authorization? I know you're using Kerberos, so where do I go from there? Uh, we've got people looking at virtualization saying, what about hardware accelerated I.O.? Where are you going with that? How can I do P2V tools to do a physical server move into a virtual server? So it's been fantastic to come to BrainShare and see everybody here and get all the feedback about how well we've done. But you know what it's done is it's actually given me a launch point now of saying I'd ordered all these thoughts about where OES was going to go in the future. Now I'm already starting to get feedback around, your next thing is great, what's next? And for me as a product manager, that's absolutely invaluable because it shows, and I've said this many times, that when people stop talking to me, I get worried because it means they gave up and they don't care any longer. Now, I come to BrainShare and I know that everybody here cares because they're here to listen, they're here to learn, but more particularly, I'm here to listen to everybody else and get their feedback on what we need to do next to make the product even better. And so for me, this has given me the launch point to understand what I need to be doing in the next two, three, four years ahead. And you know, hopefully within the next six to eight months, we'll have that roadmap that we can understand what exactly it is we need to do. And we'll start socializing this, coming to visit you uh, at your businesses, getting you out to visit us and, and do the executive briefings, and then get your feedback on, yes, we did the right things. Well, let's actually extend that and do the right things again. And there you have it. Product Manager Jason Williams on Open Enterprise Server. Give it up for him if you would. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Ed. Jason. Thank we you. Very much appreciate you having you here. Anytime. Did we have any last items that we wanted to cover before we uh, roll out of this? No? All right. Well, then, uh, please remember that Novell Open Audio is brought to you by your friends at Novell Users International in conjunction with Novell Incorporated. The content that we put on the show, the guests that we have are generally requested by our listening audience. Jason Williams was on here today because he's been requested so many times on the show, and people did request him for this show. 
You can go on to our website, novell.com forward slash open audio. You can rate any show. You can also leave comments, and we really love the comments we get, especially from Mike Brady, but we'd love to have the comments from the rest of you as well. So leave comments for us, and even after shows, if you have questions to follow on with interviews, we've had Jason go back onto the website and answer multiple questions after shows that we've done. So get onto the website, interact with us a little bit, Tell us what else you want to see on the show. You can also eat, or well, see on the show, hear on the show. You can also email us, openaudio at novell.com. And that's it for this time. We'll see you next time.